This is the Summit Life Ministries audio experience. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Age Changer Show brought to you by Summit Life Ministries. My name is David Furrow. This is my dad, Lim Furrow, also the founder of Summit Life Ministries. Our mission at Summit Life is to elevate, equip, and empower. Elevate the church's vision to see God's eternal purpose. Equip believers to live with an eternal perspective, but then also empower believers to live supernatural lifestyles in faith-filled obedience. Now, Dad, we're on the series of The Great Divide. And yesterday, we finished talking about how there's been, you know, I'm not trying to bash them, but there's been quite a few internet prophets out there Mm -hmm. that have built a following up. You know, and it's not necessary because maybe they are prophetic in some sort, but they've just sure. been good at marketing and they've created a following. Yeah. And you talked about that, you know, if people just keep relying so much on hearing the voice of God through someone else instead of hearing the voice of God themselves and through his ways, you know, there's going to be a crisis in the church. And with some people, it could turn into be a crisis of faith, actually. Absolutely, David. Um, because we're about a mile wide and an inch deep, yeah. uh, many people are relying upon um, voices that are untested and yeah. unproven, and they built them a prophetic platform without relational accountability. Yeah. Uh, also through slick marketing um, and, you know, People are developing ministries that they don't have the spiritual gravitas to really have that type of platform. And so we have people having major influence in the body of Christ, and they come out with these predictions, and there's no accountability. Mm -hmm. And I'm not one that says that if you give a false prediction, you're a false prophet. I believe yeah. that's an Old Testament standard. Yeah. It just means you gave a false prophecy. However, the Bible says, let everyone prophesy, two or three prophets prophesy, but then the church has to have a, a group of people that judge and assess that word Mm-hmm. And the Bible says we test all things and we hold fast to that which is good. Yeah. I want to know why the guy who was the main prognosticator of the red tsunami prophecy in 2018, why he uh, has not been held accountable. Yeah. And, and I've listened to some of the things that they do is they then have to say, the word came true, but because of this and that and this and that, uh, it didn't come true. Yeah. So we are in a crisis of hearing right now in the church. Yeah. There are a few voices out there that I believe are like voices crying in the wilderness. Yeah. But we're like the nation of Judah was before uh, they were carried off in captivity to Babylon because they refuse to repent. Yeah. The prophets were still prophesying in the court of the king of Judah. Mm -hmm. They were still prophesying in the temple. They were still prophesying uh, to the people of Judah. And they were telling them this 
city will never be taken. <laughs> the temple will never be destroyed. Yeah. Um, that there is no way, shape, or form possible that the nation could have a crisis of existence. Yeah. And there were these singular, solitary voices. Mm-hmm. I call them the minority report. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it, very similar to the 12 spies. There were two that gave the report of the Lord. But there were prophets like Jeremiah uh, that against the grain, against what everybody wanted to hear, what was popular, Mm -hmm. um, they were willing to say, uh, I'm sorry, because we've not repented. Yeah. Because I keep saying Second Chronicles 7.14, the healing of the land is conditioned on God's people repenting. Yeah. And it's not the nation repenting. It's if my people that are called yeah. by my name will humble themselves, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then you will hear from heaven. We're wanting God to again... Give us an intervening moment. We want to hear from heaven. Mm-hmm. But the way we hear from heaven is a contriteness, a brokenness, a repentance, a humility yeah. that starts within the leadership of the church and and within, in a wholesale way, the church repenting of the spiritual condition of where the Western church is at. Because yeah. it's pretty hard to tell the world to repent. When we are unwilling to in, embrace it ourselves. Yeah. And so right now we need our leaders to be telling the church to repent. Yeah. And it's not because what happens is the ways of God is God increases the pain level. Yeah. Israel and Judah started to experiencing small defeats. Then it went to larger yeah. Till finally it was major defeats in all areas. Till finally there was this point of collapse because they refused uh, to repeat. Yeah. Even when Nebuchadnezzar or one of his uh, generals was doing the final siege, there were prophets that were prophesying the month of yeah. the taking of the city that Jerusalem would not be taken. Yeah. And so this is a very serious hour, and there's not a whole lot of room for error for our country and for the church yeah. in the West. It's either we listen and we, we don't fail uh, the grace of God in this moment, that we avail ourselves to a remaining window of grace that is open, but I I want you to know that window of grace is quickly closing, and the only thing in the ways of God, Mm -hmm. because we've not taken and made uh, wrong things right uh, by repentance and turning, and and repentance is not saying, God, I'm sorry. It is making wrong things right. It is... is, uh, putting into action the brokenness of our heart 
to redeem the things that that we've destroyed through our sin. And so God then is left to deal with our country in a disciplinary way in which the temporal judgments of God will start increasing not only in in, um, the greatness of them, I mean the immensity of them, uh, where they will go from small disciplinary actions to large, heavy disciplinary yeah. actions. But then you also see not only intensity, but frequency. Yeah. And that's where we're at right now. Our, our country is, is experiencing a frequency of the discipline of the Lord yeah. and an intensity of the discipline of the Lord. And he's saying, what will it take to get you yeah. to see. But many in the church, and, and again, I don't want to pick on anyone, but I, you know, when I when I just hear people prophesying, you know, hop on the Trump train and it's going to be great for the next uh, mm-hmm. 20, 30 years, and this is going to be the greatest time in America, that's not what I'm hearing from the Lord. <laughs> I, I'm just going to be honest with you. Yeah. I do believe God brought Donald Trump to the presidency of the United States. Mm-hmm. I believe he was for a sign, but it was for upheaval, disruption, yeah. a shaking, rising and falling of many, uh, but also for the revealing of the hearts, because God is testing the heart of our country. Mm-hmm. And so just as Jesus uh, you know, came in the fullness of time, and yes, there was a great purpose, eternal purpose for the salvation of the nations, but he was a specific sign to the nation of Israel. And he came to confirm the covenant uh, with the nation. That's why he restricted them on who the apostles could preach to. He was going to make an appeal to the Jewish nation first. He was going to come to them to see if they would receive the messenger of the covenant who would suddenly appear in the temple, but he would appear as a refiner's fire yeah. and like fuller's soap. And and I know this, that um, if I've been out working and I mean, there there's a layer of dirt and grime on me and whatever it is, if it's been a, a messy, dirty uh, project that I've been engaged in, it's easy to wash your hands real quick yeah. when you've been in something that has lightly soiled your hands. But if you've been working uh, and you've been in a heavy-duty project, you've got to scrub. I mean, you've got to take. Yeah. And and the nation of Israel at the moment of the Lord's appearance, they were in a, a serious spiritual condition. Mm-hmm. They honored God with their lips. Their heart was totally disconnected. They They were into religious performance. Uh, they had turned the temple of God, the house of God. What a stunning statement that Jesus makes. He said, you've made it a den yeah. of thieves, a place where where thieves gather. When he said a den of thieves, he goes, it's become a gathering place of thieves. Yeah. Um, boy, gentle Jesus was pretty controversial <laughs> when he said that. And that's why I said last week that 
that we would accuse Christ of being unchristlike. Yeah. Because we have this caricature of the nature and the character of Jesus. And and we would say, Jesus, you're not being very politically correct and you're not being nice. You need to be nice like Jesus would be. Yeah. <laughs> he said, I am being Jesus. <laughs> you've taken my father's house and you've turned it into a den of thieves. Yeah. So there is this day of reckoning for our country and and really not only our country because judgment begins first in the house of God. Yeah. Because to be honest with you, a lot of the American church has a form of godliness, but we deny the power and the activity of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Uh, we have a church that's into uh, entertainment. I call it worshiptainment more than true spiritual worship. Yeah. Uh, we we are in a we're in a critical moment in in the church where I keep sounding this, you know, alarm. I sound like a one-string guitar player, but I just want to say, awake, 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 Zion. Awake, awaken, please, uh, because the judge is at the door. Yeah. And he is going to come, and just as John the Baptist said, he's going to lay the axe to the root of the tree. Yeah. Um, and and when when John the Baptist said that, he was saying that this was a tree that was a planting of the Lord. Why would God cut down his own tree? Yeah. It's because he expected fruit from it. Yeah. And and he sent the prophets to dig and dung around it, to fertilize it, to see if it could become fruitful. But after the Lord has has tried to um, tend it, to dig it, to uh, fertilize it and to try to make it fruitful it's either the ground is is unable to give it nourishment yeah. or you've got something wrong with the tree yeah the tree is diseased and so it's occupying soil so if you have a tree that's so diseased and the disease cannot be cured you realize it's occupying space that something fruitful could be planted there yeah and that's exactly what happened to the Jewish nation. Jesus prophesied it. He said, listen, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you. When he said that, it said from that moment on, they plotted to kill him. Because he was speaking to them truth with such clarity, yeah. their hearts were so hard. He knew that it says they knew that he was talking about them, that the kingdom would be taken from you and give it, give it, to another nation and so sometimes we're so religiously proud that we don't think that god because you know we we understand our unique identity and you know as the church we're the church and we don't think that god would discipline his own people because we like the promises (laughs) uh that are enjoyable promises to receive yeah we like to feel good yeah, we like to feel good. We, you're, you're, you're going to be great. You're going to be blessed. It's going to go well. Uh, but the Lord has to come to us, and we have to accept His whole character and His whole nature. And so I want to be blessed. Yeah. But I know that the only way that the peaceable fruits of righteousness 
is going to be something that I eat from in the future. Is if I'm a tree that's bearing fruit, peace and righteousness, that will be able to feed me in the days to come. Yeah. And the Bible says that um, if God does not treat you with discipline, he's not legitimately looking at you as a son. But every son, every true son, yeah. gets discipline from a father. And it says we have a choice. We can either despise it yeah. or we can in, and or faint under it or we learn to endure it. So these are going to be times of um, a great divide and disruption, and it's going to be a season of great difficulty. And we're going to be living through it. (laughs) Yes, we are. But I can faint under it and say, God, I quit. I quit on you. How could you lead me to a place of difficulty? I can despise it and saying that can't be God. Yeah. Or I learn to endure it and allow God to do a deep work in me that allows me to have a faith that is matched with a perseverance yeah. where my faith is unwavering because with faith and patience we inherit the promises of God. Yeah, I mean, it says he disciplines the ones that he loves. That That is absolutely right. And and so um, the church has been needing a spiritual spanking from the Lord. He's been very <laughs> merciful. Yeah. He's been very kind to us, um, very tender towards us. But if we reject the goodness of God, whose intent, God's intent is to bring us to repentance. We reject that. There's no other means necessary than to us experiencing the tough love of God. And that is God says, I'm um, I'm going to correct you and I'm going to discipline you. Uh, and I'm going to purge you. I'm going to cleanse you. I'm going yeah. to clean you. And there's going to be this clarifying between that which is common and that which is holy. And if we're called to be like him, to be holy as he is holy, I've got to allow him to do that sanctifying work yeah. in me. Yeah. Now, David, I want to, in the remaining part of this episode, I want us to go over to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. And again, we, we're wanting to look at prophetic patterns, but also see biblical uh, prophetic principles in how God deals with his people and how he interacts with his people based upon their response to him. Now, in the book of Hebrews, the beginning of uh, the book, is a is a it's a book filled with great and precious promises, but it's also a book filled with stark warnings. So let me give just a little bit of the context for the book. These were Jewish believers who had come to the saving knowledge of Messiah. And as long as they felt like they could be messianic believers but also be accepted in jewish circles and societies they could have the best of both worlds they could have their ethnic national identity and they could 
uh, be a messianic believer, believing that Jesus could be Messiah. Uh, it went well with them. But as we know, the nation of Israel rejected Jesus as the Messiah. So they looked at anybody that believed that Jesus was Messiah, that they were heretical, and as the nation of Israel fully rejected Jesus, there was a window for them to repent, even after Jesus' resurrection and ascension. Peter appealed to them. He said, even now there is a moment for you to repent of what you just did to him by crucifying him. And he said, if you repent, there can be a season of refreshing for the nation, a moment and a work of restoration. But they rejected him as a whole, the nation did. So what they did is they began to categorize any Jewish person that believed in Jesus. They viewed him as heretical and then they exiled them from the nation of Israel. Yeah. So they just said, you have ceased to be Jewish and you're no longer considered a part of our national identity. Wow. Many of them, their properties were confiscated. They lost their possession. Some were in prison. So this was a church and these were Jewish believers that had gone through an intense time of painful suffering. Yeah. However, some of them began to drift away. As the price for serving Christ grew greater, some of them began to question their faith and some began to compromise their faith. And so this writer comes in to secure them, to remind them, to tell them to not walk away, do not fall away. Uh, from the one that they they have come to know mm-hmm. as Messiah. And so he said, do not neglect so great a salvation which has been given to you. And he said, I want you to call to mind uh, the, the Lord and the signs and wonders, the message that he uh, gave you and, and testified to you and how God gave witness to his message through signs and wonders and miracles. So... This was a moment, kind of a, you know, kind of a spiritual shock treatment to say, stop, you're going the wrong way. Don't allow the testing to drive you away from from the faith that you once used to know. And then he begins to liken them to the children of Israel that had fell in the wilderness in unbelief. Mm -hmm. And he and he begins to say, do not harden your heart. In the day of testing, he said, today you need to hear his voice. You need to reconnect with the voice of God. Don't perish in the wilderness. But then he talks about a promise of rest in chapter 4. And he says this to them in verse 11. He says, let us therefore strive to enter that rest. He said, other generations, God promised them rest, but they didn't fully experience. Some of them experienced parts of the rest and the provision and promise of God, but not fully. He said, but there is a promise of rest that is remaining to this day that God wants his people to come into. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Then verse 12, for the word of God is living and active. Now, David, this is not talking about the Bible. 
This is talking about Jesus being the personification of the word. Yeah. He is the living word. John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the word and the word was God. The word was with God and the word became made flesh. But I want you to listen at the, the activity and the work of the word. It says the word is sharper than any two-edged sword. What does a sword do? Cuts. Cuts and divides. Yep. Also, piercing to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and of marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And I got to go quickly because we're at the end of this episode. And no one is hidden from his sight, Mm -hmm. but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Now, tomorrow in the episode, we're going to unpack this passage even further. And we're going to see that Jesus was the great divider. He was the sign that caused men to rise and fall. But his primary ministry at first is to reveal the hearts of men. And God continues to send individuals that do this work of division for clarity. Okay, we'll end there. Bless you guys. We love you. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you for being with us today. Guys, if you have questions or comments, make sure you put them in the comment section below. We love hearing from you. If you want to just know more about Summit Life Ministries, make sure to check us out at summitlifeministries.com. If you just want to get all things Summit Life, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, subscribe to us on YouTube. Guys, we appreciate you being with us each and every day. It means so much to us. But guys, we love you and God bless. Thanks. What's up, everybody? This is Josh Furrow from the Summit Life Ministries team. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in to the podcast. Make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, and have a blessed week.